4.13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. In a few minutes here, you will get some exhortation and some teaching. But first, we're going to begin, uh, as we're going to do in this whole series of reading through the entire book of Titus. It's 46 verses. Today, Bradley Couples is coming up. He's going to read it from the New American Standard. Right here's your mic. The Lord bless you. Um, you name me if you namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dis- dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled self-controlled, holding fast to the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort in, in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things that should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of, them, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may, be, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, Urge the young men to be sensible in all things. Show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, with which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent will be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not, in, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, 
by the washing of the regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, well, yeah, by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a a factitious man and after a first or second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and is sinning, being self-condemned. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me in Nicopolis, for I have decided to send, spend the winter there. Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos their way to, so that nothing may be lacking for them. Our people must be must also learn to engage in good deeds and meet pressing needs, so that they will be un, so they will not be unfruitful. Also, who also who are with you with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Two years old, you say, get down. Actually, I can do it. Now, you come at me. Run through me. There, see? Get back up. Get back up. See? You didn't do it right. Now, come at me. See, now, you teach him. See, you say, now, go attack that tree. Bite it. Ah! Come on back. Bite it again. Teach him all that. Tackle me. Bam. And then soon he's bigger and he's stronger. And he can hit you and you don't want him to hit you anymore. You say, all right, son, turn him loose on high school. He's running up and down the field. High school touchdowns. 800 touchdowns per game. He says, yes, that's my son. And he goes to big college playing for a big school. Three million students and 800,000 people at the stand. Oh, 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 oh. National TV and he catches the ball. And he didn't even bother to get out of the way. He just runs over everybody. <laughs> for a TV and turn around and the camera's on him and you look at it and he says, hi, Mom. <laughs> well, you don't mind that. You know who taught him. Boy, 2013-14, Kia NBA Most Valuable Player.
Christ for us. You're the real MVP. Even legal. I don't know how you can watch that video not get choked up. Thinking about your mom, thinking about your wife who is a mother. Um, it's Mother's Day. And Bill, I, I remember seeing Bill Cosby when he first did that, and you laugh. But there's a connection with a child with their mother. And you saw that when Kevin Durant gets up uh, to give it. You can't, it's like you can't talk about mamas without having a tear come to your eye. And today we're going to talk about the importance of motherhood. 
Uh, I want to give two disclaimers. I want to do it as, uh, <clears throat> as, as uh, gently as I can. Uh, both of these disclaimers, there's two ends to this continuum, and both of them, if you, if you go there, surface idolatry. Uh, either there's this sticker of the best mom ever, or there's this concern if I only had a child. And the first disclaimer is this, mothers aren't Jesus. So I want to put that out there. Um, if you feel you're here today and you're a mother and you feel like you have failed, there's a Savior who loves you and, and will enable you to be not a perfect mother, uh, but a progressing mother. And so we don't find our self-fulfillment in our children. We, mothers, are not the Savior of their souls. And the other, that's, that's, that's the one in this, this competition, I guess, for best mom ever. And you see it on blogs all week, and it just broke my heart. And then you get the other end. And I want to say this with all love and concern and care. You see blogs that say every woman's a mother. And, and that's just not true. Just like every man is not a father, um, Every set of parents is not a grandparent. And so I, I give these two caveats uh, to those of you who are single or don't ha- yet have children. And though everyone can fulfill some of the things that mothers do, uh, some of those mothering qualities, not every woman is a mother. That's another sermon for another day. Know that you're loved and cared for. But today, I want to focus on moms. Those who have either given birth and raised kids or adopted kids and raised kids. I want to talk about the magnificence of motherhood according to Scripture. Motherhood is godly. 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul talks about as a nursing mother cares for her children. Motherhood is costly. You heard Kevin Durant say that that his mother went to bed hungry. You heard them talk about in the world's toughest job uh, that a mother is required to go 24-7, sometimes all night with the associate. I like that. It's costly. But motherhood is worth the work. You are MVPs, and to some degree, you are directors of operations. But I want to show you how that fits within Scripture. That's why we have the entire book of Titus read, because within the grand scheme of the gospel on mission, there is a specific role, a sacred call for mothers. And so if you're just joining us here today, you find us right at the beginning of a series called Spring Training. I have up here um, uh, the home plate that shows kind of what we're covering. Uh, You see there across the top, which should permeate everything, is the gospel. Three specific times in this book, the gospel is mentioned. The gospel is clear. You see it in one through four. You see it at the end of chapter two, and you see it at the beginning of chapter three. And that leads to leadership of the church and the church in the world. And leads to discipleship of the next generation as we live on mission. And today we're going to focus on three verses, just three verses that show how motherhood is one of the greatest pictures and is uh, one of the most sacred calls when it comes to discipleship, of passing the fundamentals on to the next generation. In some senses, sticking with the theme of spring training, mothers, you are the little league coaches of life. And so three things we're going to see today is we're going to see that this is this call. Motherhood is a God-honoring privilege. It has God-given priorities, and it serves a God-glorifying purpose. First and foremost, the God-honoring privilege. In verse 3 of chapter 2, it begins with this. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. I really have to begin with the absolute obvious word here, women. In God's divine design, he made 
two different genders working together. They complement one another. They are not the same. They don't serve the same role. Amen? That is the way God designed it. We live in a world, we'll look at in two weeks, a bunch of empty talkers and deceivers that want to confuse the genders. That is so obvious, we absolutely overlook it. And the other word I want to not overlook, in fact, I want to bring it back because we live in such a youth-obsessed culture that the Bible says it right here, older women, as opposed, and it'll show you in a few minutes, I'll show you from the text, younger women. Let's let the Bible define us, not the world. Paul mentions in 1 Timothy 5, 9, the age and age, he said, those who are not less than 60, that's a reasonable uh, age to go with here. So if you're less than 60, you're a younger woman. If you're older than 60, you're an older woman. But the idea is to honor the idea of older women, both those who are mothers and those who are mothers in the faith. I like that term. I'm bringing it back. I'm an old man. I'm an aging athlete. You can be an older woman and it's okay. We live in a youth obsessed culture that says young men, women are where it at is where it's at. You got to look like young women. That's just not biblically true. Just wanted to get those two out there off my chest, so to speak. Likewise, in a manner, it says here, older women likewise. And so we have to go back up one verse. And we see older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, and love and steadfastness. Likewise, older women, you're to be just like that. And you are to be. Notice what it says there. You are to be. This should be the character of your life. There are no perfect moms, but this is what life should look like. Three things, reverent in behavior. I love this word in the Greek. There are some who would say today that Paul and the church want to bring women down. Paul chooses a word here for reverent in behavior that's used only one time in the New Testament, and it's equivalent of the word priest. Because Paul, Jesus, if we go back to Jesus, like we talked about a few weeks ago, it was women who first discovered the empty tomb. Paul here has an opportunity to use any word to describe older women, and he uses the word for priest. Paul lifts up women. He wants them to see, he wants us to see that older women are to be reverent, they're to be priestess in their behavior. That is, they are called to lead spiritually. They have a role. He talks about that in 1 Timothy 2. He talks about it in Ephesians 5, and he expands on it here. But women lead. It's a vital part of the family. It's a vital part of the church. And the key is, it's the discipleship of the next generation. So they are to say yes to holiness, and they are to say no to gossip. They aren't to be slanderers. The Greek word here is diabolos. Same root word as the devil. To gossip is to act like Satan. It pretty much says that. Say no to gossip. And they are not to be slaves to much wine. They're to say no to drunkenness, not to drinking, but to too much drinking. Older women who are holy, godly, and self-controlled have something to do. And you see it right there. They are to teach what is good. You are the little league coaches of life. They are to teach what is good. You may be saying to yourself, but I'm not a teacher. Oh, you may not be in the school classroom, but most definitely You are teaching the next generation. They are watching what you're doing. You are to teach not the whole when it comes to the church, but you have a role. And here it is. You are to teach what is good and so train the young women. There is the specific idea of discipleship. Teach and so train the next generation of women. 
Jesus said it like this in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Key word, teaching them. Teaching them. So a part of the Great Commission, a role for older women and younger women is teach and train the next generation. That's Discipleship 101. You have no greater purpose in life than to teach and train the next generation. And you're to teach them everything. How to eat. How to use the potty. How to tie their shoes. Oh, I'm thankful for Velcro. But there comes a time where they got to learn to tie their shoes. And mothers, you do it. You teach them manners. But especially... You teach them the word of God. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. Paul, talking to Timothy, says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you, Timothy, constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Paul is longing to see this man who is a leader in a church. And where did this leader come from? He says in verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now watch this phrase. A faith that first that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Timothy was the leader he was because of his grandmother and his mother. Ultimately, obviously, not taking any glory away glory away from God. God is sovereign over the situation, but he used Lois and Eunice to raise up Timothy. For this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God. God gave a gift of those two women, Lois and Eunice. He gave the gift, the key gift there, the gospel that they spread onto him, that he believed. In spite of his father not believing, you can go read that in Acts. And Timothy is a leader in the church, first and foremost, because of God the Father, and second, because of Eunice, his mother. For God gave us a spirit not of fear and power and love and self-control. Paul's saying you had that once before, fan that flame. Your mama instilled it in, in you, get it back. So you're to teach and train so that. And so train the young women. And so train the young women. There it is, the word young women. And notice, Paul's going to describe young women for you not the world, for you, what life should look like for you. He will not go to what you look like. Doesn't matter. He's not going to go to what you can accomplish in the world. He's not going to go to how big your blog is. He's not going to go to see that your Pinterest pick is worth framing. Watch what he says at the end of four and the all of five. So trained a young woman, and he leads with this, to love your husbands and children. He leads with love. Love is an action as much as it is an emotion. And look what Paul says and look at the order. To love their husbands. Young mothers, love your husbands. Young mothers, love your husbands. It's the first priority after cultivating your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You are to love God and you're to love your neighbor. And this man is your closest neighbor. You mean to tell me the call to motherhood is to start with my husband? Absolutely. It's the greatest example to second your children. Older women are to live such godly lives and so teach and train the younger women that they may love their husbands and children. So older women are to be not only the teachers, but the models. And maybe your mom didn't do this for you. And this is where the idea of spiritual motherhood comes into play. I've often heard a mother's work is never done. Amen. And that is true. Mothers who are in here who have raised your kids, they're 18, they're out of the house. Guess what? Your work is not done. Your work will not finish. 
You will still parent them, though they are outside the house. And the Bible calls you, older women whose kids are out of the home, so train the young moms. Your call goes on and will go on until Jesus returns or you retire. That's a nice way to say that, retire. A mother's work is never done. It's true for your physical children and it's true for spiritual children. So in some sense, there's some mothering aspects that go on. We've got to train the next generation. Those of you who are in here who are single or not yet have kids, this is your time for preparation. This is your time where I would be scheduling dinners with all the mothers in here who have grown kids and I would be bombarding them with questions and they're going to love it. Bring them dinner. Okay, let me show you how to bring them dinner and get with them and say, what do you do here? What do you do here? I have an issue. I, I need to know. You've been there and you've done that. Help me. And older women who have had and raised kids, praise God for you. We need you to pour in to these younger women. Amen? There's your call. Get together and help one another. Pass on the info. But I didn't do it well. Yeah, neither did David. And he said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then I will t- teach others your ways. Then I will teach. David didn't see himself in Psalm 51 as a sinner in need of a savior as his life was over. He saw, I'll take my bad experiences and I will give them away to the next generation on here's what not to do. A mother's work is never done. That is oh so true. She takes care of her husband. She takes care of her children. That is what it talks about in Proverbs 31, 10 through 12. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. I should have that up there so you can read along with me. The heart of her husband trusts in her. This is a woman who has been trained to love her husband. If we go back and you remember when we taught through the book of Ruth, we had some discussion, this Proverbs 31, the way it lands in Hebrew is you've got Proverbs 31 and you've got this book of Ruth in the Hebrew Bible. And so if we're going along with that, now you have Naomi teaching Ruth and she loves her husband Boaz. She'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So young women, your first priority is to love your husband and then your children. And children are a good thing. Are they messy? Absolutely. Do they keep mommies up at night? No doubt about it. But we live in a world that doesn't want to raise children. And I've got a quote for you here. I'm going to read it. It's from boundless.org. And it's a great quote. Tragically, the vision proposed in the, li- in the child-free life, one that is celebrated by many, is shallow at best and utterly self-serving at worst. We have friends, not in this church, in another state, who wrestle with should we or should we not have children. And it is my opinion, I think it's a biblical one, that they haven't read Titus very closely. Because if we go all the way back to the beginning, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Multiply. It's given to a man and a woman. Not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman. That's how God designed it. Another sermon for another day. Be fruitful, multiply. Here, love your husbands and your children. The assumption, Paul doesn't even think about it. He just assumes that's what you do. That's part of it. Tragically, Many don't think so. Having children isn't about making sure there are enough taxpayers to support us when we're the ones looking to cash in our Social Security checks. Here's the key. I hope this permeates our minds, settles in our hearts. It's about raising up the next generation of Jesus followers. That's what you're doing. That is your role. That is your role. Thank you. I look at her, and if you know my kids, 
They're sweet most of the time. And I mean this with all seriousness. God's absolutely in control. Yes, they learn something from their father, but they spend hours with their mother. And they are who they are in large part, not only because of her. Thank you. A Christian woman, as a Christian woman, let's not settle for anything else than to be truly, than the truly free life. And I like this last phrase, the gloriously encumbered life. It's messy. It ties you down. There's not a whole lot you can do for 18 years. And that's okay. Because your role is great. That's how God's designed it. Young women, you are to love your husbands and train your children and be you too. This is the character of your life. And Paul gives five things here. And so you have eight, if you're combining those of the older women and younger women, they're to have reverent behavior, not be slanderers, self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands. Got to unpack that. There's a lot of discussion out there. What does that mean? Does my, is his, does this pastor tell me I'm to be at home barefoot and pregnant? Well, let's just take it a little word by word. Self-controlled, that is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the key word in this entire chapter. Older men are to be self-controlled. Older women are to be self-controlled. Young women are to be self-controlled. Young men are to be self-controlled. Did you get the idea? We're all called to be self-controlled. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is the, I would say it is the ending, but I think it's the capstone. Yes, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and you can walk through all those, and you see that in people who are self-controlled. And we are to be pure. The idea here, immediate context is morally. Let me just share with you some areas where we're to be morally pure. In our physical lives, this idea that the physical sins are only for men, uh, the lusts of the flesh, so to speak, that is no longer the age in which we live. In my opinion, it was not the age we ever lived. We just used to always say, anytime there's lust, that's a man thing. Fantasy, that's a woman thing. It's just not true. Emotionally. So physically, we're to be pure. Emotionally, we're to be pure. We're not to be fantasizing about a better life. We're not to be comparing ourselves to uh, that mommy blog we read. And that mommy's up uh, at three in the morning and runs a half marathon and then cooks a big egg breakfast and then juggles while she's showering just because she can juggle. Doesn't matter. Emotionally, don't go there. Here's the greatest encouragement I can give mothers with children today. Your children? God has so designed your children are with you because God knew best who you were and who they were. And he knew that he wanted you there with those little associates. Theologically, there's a lot of junk out there creeping into the church, feminist theology. Oh, you don't need kids. It's where you are in the workplace. Financially, well, if we only had this much and if we, then, then if I worked, then we could do this. We take our eyes off our primary task to love our husbands and to raise our children. And Durant had it in an apartment with no furniture and thought he had arrived. I think we're okay with one TV and a couch. No TV, no couch. And you're to be workers at home. Uh Uh-oh. What's he going to say here? Do all women have to stay home? That's the question I always get. And that's not the right question. The right question is how best can I fulfill Scripture? Singles and those without kids work. How do I know? I spent seven years as a pastor of young singles. And so every year at this time, work, pay down debt. This is preparation. Get yourself in a position where you can stay at home. He just said it. Do you, do you 
have to stay home? No. Can you work outside the house? Absolutely. Singles and those, prepare yourselves to be at home. And mom, it's best to be at home. But if you're not at home, it's okay. How do I know? Let me just tell you. Here's how I know a mother doesn't have to stay at home. Your mother stayed at home. Praise the Lord. Guess what? Have you ever met Sharon Ann Rumley? Some of you have. Sweet lady. Accounting manager right under the controller. You know what that means. Of Williams Pipeline Company. Smart cookie. Coached soccer. Worked outside the home but never gave up anything, anything inside the home. Dinner on the table every night, even Friday nights. I want to go out. My friends are waiting on me. We're having dinner. Okay, because mama wanted to have dinner. Can you do it outside the home? Absolutely. That's her name, Sharon Ann Rumley. She's just one among many. Do you have to stay at home? No. But let us, before we immediately go, Not right off the phrase, workers at home. Let us not allow corporate America and that commercial, the only one I know is from the 70s, Ajali, I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan and never let you forget you're a man. Great. But that is not the epitome of every woman in the world. And I would say biblically, you're to be a worker at home. Your primary task is the management of that home. Yes, you can have influence outside of the home. It's a matter of focus. Do all women have to stay home? That's not the right question. How can you best fulfill Scripture? I'm just going to take you back to Scripture. It's not a matter of influence. It's a matter of focus. And some, I believe, have bought into this deception and this empty talk that for a woman to be fulfilled, she has to break that glass ceiling in corporate America. And God would say, no, you don't. Pure, self-controlled, pure, working at home. Kind. I love that. Kind. Are you nice? Is there a harshness to you? Or do you like our video? I love the video. I had to write it down. Do you do all of this with a happy disposition? Will there be days when you're not, you don't have a happy disposition? Trust me, there will be days. But is the general character of your life kind to your husband, to your children, to your neighbors? You're kind. And then here's the other big one. Woo, two bullets in the same day. Dodge one. Let's see if he can get the other. Submissive. To your own husband. Oh, there's that S word again. It's a curse word in today's world. Submissive, it literally says submissive to your own man. We translate it submissive to your husbands. I, I think there are generally three men, a few good men, and in every woman's life that they need to be submissive to in this order. The Lord Jesus Christ, your own husband, And Hebrews 13, 7 says, be submissive to your leaders. Inside the church, your church leaders. Your church leaders lead. And if they're doing a good job, then there's those are your own man that you should be submissive to. But the immediate context is your own husband. Husbands, don't give them a reason not to be submissive. And notice Paul just moves on. He, He says this and he moves on. He doesn't camp there. He doesn't say, let me define the S word. He doesn't uh, make a big deal out of it. He doesn't feel he has to. He's writing to the church and he assumes that Christian women understand their role. He assumes that they understand that they're to be submissive to their husbands. He doesn't, for for them, he didn't think it was problematic. Today, in today's day and age, for two reasons, partly because of the misuse of some unqualified men and partly because of this rebellion against God's, God's structure. 
And I can see it. I can look out here now and I can see that just on the, there's a face, there's a few smiles and there's a lot of, he's talking about submission. I am. It's part of motherhood. It's a part of sound doctrine. And men, are you leading in such a way that it's easy? It's easy. I want to follow that man. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ and I want to follow my husband and I love being at this church because I trust the men that are leading. Are we making it easy? A man who leads well loves Jesus, loves his word, loves the local church. And if he does that, why wouldn't you want to follow him? And let me show you the biggest connection to all this. I'll read it again so you see the entire picture. We read the whole book of Titus. It's about the gospel on mission. It's about the basics. And he says in two one. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. All of this that follows is sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train, teach to train. If you want a key phrase for this whole idea of motherhood, teach to train. Teach to train. The young women to love their husbands first and their children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. And here is the key. Friends, here's the key. That. Titus 2, 5, the end of it. That. That. The reason you're doing what you're called to do. That the word of God may not be reviled. In the Greek, if you were to look at the Greek word, this is one you can actually read. Blasphemati. That the word of God may not be blasphemed. So you're telling me, if I'm an older woman and I'm reverent in my behavior and I'm not a gossip and I'm not slave to much wine and I'm teaching what is good to train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be pure, kind, self-controlled, workers at home, submissive to their own husbands. The reason I do that is for the gospel. Yes. You paint a picture to the world. This is how God designed it. This is what life's all about. This is where, as we read in that article just earlier, this is where true freedom is when I'm joyfully and gloriously encumbered. What? Yeah, the world says you need to be free. You don't need to be tied down. They plant lies into women's heads. You don't need to do this. You can go do that. I've seen it firsthand. It's deceptive. It's gross. It's satanic. And the word of God is blasphemed. But when older women and younger women get together and they learn what it means to walk with Jesus and to train their kids, the gospel is not blasphemed. The word of God is clear. It's the exact opposite of the world. You can make it on your own. You don't need a man. You can make it to the bop. You can be the president. You can be the leader. You can do whatever you want to do. And the world will cheer you for it. And I think of all those women who rarely get a moment on the stage. And here's a young man at the peak of his career. Steps aside. Says, you're the MVP. Did she have to work outside the home? She was a single mom. She did. Did she take care of her house? You bet she did. So let me summarize with this. It is a simple, sacred, serious call. Simple. It's not complicated. It is sacred. It is sound doctrine contained in Scripture for us to follow. It is serious. It'll be full of tears and joy. 
there'll be a lot of stuff to clean up. And for those of you who have done it, praise God. And the fact is, here's why it's serious. Every person in this room is partially who they are because of their mother, for better or for worse. There's no higher calling for a woman. I'll repeat it. It goes from Genesis all the way through Revelation. There's no higher calling for a woman. What about being a missionary? Be a mom. Your mission field is right there. What about doing, be a mom. So you're saying, let's not go there. The highest call for a woman is to be a mother. It fulfills the creation mandate. It uplifts the gospel and it fulfills what Paul says here in Titus. We have a church full of them. And God has designed it for mamas to have a significant part in the spiritual development of young children. We have a we have a mother right now helping, serving your children, developing them, and they come home and they talk about what they learn because that mother's involved in training the next generation. It's been said once there was a movie made about it: the hand that rocks the world, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Well, that's just not true. God rules the world. But the hand that rocks the cradle will develop a worldview in those who follow. What will America look like in 20 years? Moms, you can paint that picture. How will the game of life be lived in three generations from now? Mothers, you're the little league coaches of life. Embrace your responsibility. Enjoy the privilege and be the best mother you can be to the glory of God. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace. I thank you for my mother. Pray your special blessing upon her today. Thank you for my wife who loves me and loves my kids. I thank you for her purity. I thank you for her self-control. I thank you for her working at home. I thank you for her submissiveness and doing it all with kindness. Father, I pray for every woman in here. I don't know where everyone's at. I don't know where everyone's been. I pray that they would see their role in either preparing for or fulfilling their call of motherhood. I pray for those who can't have children, that they would look for opportunities to live out this scripture as an adoptive mother, as a spiritual mother. Pray as we go today, though it may be dark outside, that your word shine the light for all the moms in the room. May the gospel go forth because moms are faithful to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.